I'd like for you to turn to the book of Proverbs, and um, we're going to begin in chapter 2 and go from there. And um, I, I, I initiated or introduced last uh, two weeks ago a series on uh, parents and, and, and children. The first part of that was you and your daughter, part one. Tonight it's you and your daughter, part two catchy titles, and uh, so we're just going to look through some selected passages of Scripture as we take a look at um, the characteristics of a strange or sensuous woman as opposed to the virtuous woman and the indiscreet as opposed to the godly. Now, if I tell you that I uh, read some from Dale Evans Rogers, you can, that dates me, I know. You know. I've even got her autograph. But she's got a little book. It has this little deal in it. It says, What is a girl? A little girl is one of the nicest things that happens to people. They're born with an angel shine about them, and though it wears thin sometimes, there's always enough left to lasso your heart even when they're sitting in the mud or crying temperamental tears. A little girl can be sweeter and badder oftener than anyone else in the world. She can jitter around and stomp and make fussing noises that frazzle your nerves. Yet just when you open your mouth to correct her, she stands there demure with that special look in her eyes. A girl of innocence playing in the mud. Beauty standing on its head. Motherhood dragging a doll by the foot. God borrowed so many creatures to make a little girl. He uses the song of a bird, the squeal of a pig, the stubbornness of a mule, the antics of a monkey, the spryness of a grasshopper, the curiosity of a, of a cat, the speed of a gazelle, the slyness of a fox, the softness of a kitten. And to top it all off, he adds the mysterious mind of a woman. Little, girl likes, little girls like new shoes, party dresses, small animals, first grade, noisemakers, the girl next door, make-believe, ice cream, makeup, pans of water, going visiting, tea parties, one boy. A girl doesn't care for visitors or boys in general or hand-me-downs or straight chairs or staying in their own front yard. She's the loudest when you're thinking, the prettiest when she has provoked you, the busiest at bedtime, the quietest when you want to show her off. Who else can cause you more grief, joy, irritation, satisfaction? embarrassment, genuine delight, than this combination of Eve, Salome, and Florence Nightingale. She is there when your dreams come tumbling down, and she climbs up on your knee and whispers, I love you best of all. Now I can hear the voices of parents of young children, perhaps mothers of little girls, saying, yeah, that's just the way it is. They're so cute. 
But I also hear voices of older parents saying, yeah, well, just wait about 10 years. About 10 years ago, you might be saying, I could have laughed at that. And I hear some voices of some hearts that may be just a little bitter. Now, because I am a pastor that wants to preach the truth, all of it as I see it, and be as accurate as I can in light of today, I understand that what I've just read is not always the way it is. And the reality is that times and, and, and experiences and people change. And I'd like to tell you that that's the way it always goes. It goes like that all through life. And yet, why would I not be as realistic as the Scripture itself. Now last week I talked about the foolish woman as a, in contrast with the wise, the contentious woman as opposed to the gracious. I want to look tonight with you from selected passages at the strange woman as opposed to the virtuous and the indiscreet as opposed to the godly. And understand that the book of Proverbs divides women or girls into four um, sets of two and contrast them. And it makes this marvelous contrast to see them together. So in chapter 2. Now he talks about in chapter 2 uh, the strange woman. Now that word is used in two ways. First of all, the word is used to mean promiscuous or sensual. And that's how he deals with it here in this first section, that this woman is, the strange woman is promiscuous and sensual. Now what I want to do is I want to read some verses just in general, and then I want us to come back and look at them in particular. So I'm going to read several of them. You need to get your Bible ready and we'll look at some. Verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. To deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. Verse 6, She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Chapter 6, verse 24, To keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Chapter 7, verse 5, that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Chapter 7, verse 21. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. And one more, chapter 30, verse 20. Just turn over back, turn back to that. Chapter 30, verse 20. 
This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth. It's a stylistic uh, style or, or language that describes this woman who engages in uh, promiscuous activity. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, this is the rationale, I've done no wrong. Now you understand and I understand what he's talking about when he talks about this strange woman as it relates to adultery or uh, sensuality or one who is promiscuous. There's a second way in which this word strange woman is applied. It means, get this please, it means estranged, it means alienated, it means separated. Estranged, alienated, separated. It means that she has been separated from her common habitat. She's been alienated, estranged from her home, from her training, from the right way. You understand? She, she's not always been like this. And she's had the proper training. I, I was amazed when I was doing this study that this really is not an indictment on parents. These, this woman he's describing here has had good training at home. And she's become, she's estranged herself. She's separated herself from the right training, from her home, from the right way. Now what are the signs tonight? What are the signs of, that are present in a child, a girl, a youth, that would indicate that she has potential to become a strange woman. That is, if you have a child or if you um, are, a, you know, a grandparent of a granddaughter, what are those characteristics, what are those signs that give warning that this person has tendency to that? Well, there are four or five things. Jot them down. Number one, as a matter of fact, proverb, the author of the Proverbs says that we are to be alert and watch for this. Keep your eyes open, your ears tuned to this. First of all, her words. I want you to turn back with me to chapter 2, verse 16. Let's look at that just a moment. Chapter 2, verse 16. To deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words. He says two things about her in the next verse, verse 17. He says two things about her that she is gifted in flattery and that her words drip honey. That is, she has the ability to speak smooth, appealing enticements. She just has the, an uncanny ability to say those things that guys like to hear. She has the gift of flattery. Observe the words your daughter picks up, the words she uses. And fathers do a good job in teaching your daughter in communication, especially the way she talks to men. Because these words sound flirtatious to some men, and she knows how to, to use words to capture them. Secondly, her companions. She leaves the companion of her youth. Now there are some who interpret that. She leaves the husband of her youth. But if that's true, why didn't he just say husband? He's done that, he says that before in here. I don't, I don't think he is referring to a woman leaving her husband in this sense. 
He's talking about this young girl who leaves the companions of her youth, her chums. Now watch this carefully. She has these buddies she's always run around with. And she breaks off relationships with these lifelong chums and pals. And she begins to establish a relationship or relationships with, with, with girls, with others much older than she. And she begins to run with a group that are faster and older. The characteristic of that potential, her companions. By the way, as parents, you do have a right to know who your kids run around with. And you should know. Third characteristic is verse 17. She ignores what God says to her. She forgets the covenants of her God. Now at best she ignores God's word. At worst she rebels against it. A few years ago I had a... I was, when I was pastoring in Fort Worth this... Uh, lady came to visit with me and she had this daughter that, was, that, that had a lot of problems at home and she wanted some uh, help in counseling with her. Now I'm not uh, a good child counselor, but I sat down with that girl and with her mother and we went through some of these biblical principles and when we came to this point, it just rang a bell and a light came on. That there was a time when this child um, got into the Word of God and, and something happened and she began to neglect and ignore the Word of God. She didn't want to go to Sunday school and her mother wouldn't make her. She wouldn't do her quiet time. Her parents didn't encourage her. They didn't have family devotionals. And after a while then, began to put a little pressure on her about what God wants for her. And she had rebellion against the Word of God. She makes certain promises to God that she will not keep. I think it's a good idea for parents, not everybody always does this, to just keep a little notebook that you, you, you'll wish you had when, you, when the kids are gone anyway. Just keep a little notebook of the things your daughter says, especially that she says to God. And keep reminding that child of the covenants and the promises that she has made to the Lord. All right, number four is found in chapter 7, verse 10. Fourth characteristic, fourth thing to, to watch for is her dress. Look at this. And behold, a woman comes out to meet him dressed as a harlot. Now there are certain articles of clothing. Let me reintroduce what I said in the beginning. In order to be fair and truthful, as, as, and, 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 and tell it like I see it in light of today, I need to say this. It's not just not necessarily popular, but there are some articles of clothing that depict sensuality. There are articles of clothing that depict sensuality. And it is possible for a Christian to dress like a harlot. And here's a boy who is not a Christian, perhaps, hypothetical. He's not a Christian. And he sees this girl he doesn't know that she is because she doesn't dress differently. I urge you to dress the girl as though she knows the Savior. I urge you, youth, girls, 
dressed like one who knows the Savior. Now, I'm not some prude. I'm not talking about wearing long black socks and, you know, and a hook and eye dress that comes up collar up here and a long sleeve, you know, with a little lace on the end of it that kind of hangs out in your hand. Uh, I, I think that sometimes parents can do more psychological harm to their kids, making them look weird and odd when everybody else doesn't look like that. But you know what I'm talking about. That there are some articles of clothing that depict sensuality. All right, number five. Chapter six, verse 25. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her catch you with her eyelids. You know what he's saying there? He's saying that the fourth, fifth characteristic is this nonverbal communication, this look that a, that a woman might give a man or a girl might give a man. She catches them with, his eye, with, her, with her eyelids. It's a look that uh, she gives. And the, guys reads, the guy reads the look. Now, have you heard any of those uh, country and western songs lately? Oh, wow. You just listen to them sometime. And I guarantee you, half of the text of those songs talk about this look that this guy picked up. You, you ever notice that? I love country and western. I don't see anything wrong with that. But they have this... This, they have this, land, this text, this, this word, this message about these women, you know, that catch these guys with the look. And I'm told that one of the greatest, the best-selling books is the book, The Sensual Woman. Half of that book talks about how to, to catch a man with your look. And then number six is, your, is the attitude, chapter 7, verse 11. She is boisterous and rebellious, her feet do not remain at home. She is boisterous and rebellious, and she doesn't like to stay at home. I tell you, it's wonderful to have a, to have a, a family where the kids love to be at home. And there's something that is frightening about the fact that, that a child doesn't, can't stand to stay at home. She's rebellious and she doesn't, and her feet do not stay at home. And, 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 and it suggests that she moves out to approach the fella. I mean, she doesn't wait for him. She goes after him. She's forward. Not only is she rebellious and her feet do not like to stay at home, her feet won't stay at home, she's forward and she makes the first advance. She calls the guy and asks him for a date. Now, what makes a girl promiscuous? I decided I would get down some of my uh, books and, and just kind of see if I could put it all together. And amazingly, I found that, uh, you know, from, from uh, psychologists and psychotherapists, the suggestion can be boiled down into two reasons why a girl becomes a strange woman or promiscuous. You can boil it down into head and tails. The one side is, is this, that they have not received genuine love when they were young. Either the father was too busy, or he was out of the home, or the home was broken, 
There was a broken relationship in the home. And somehow, the psychologist says, somehow she blames herself for that. She blames herself for the fact that she doesn't receive this healthy love from this absent father. And so she begins to find that love somewhere else with many lovers. On the other hand, the psychologist said that there was not just the fact, it was not that they had not received genuine love, but they had a hatred for men. Now watch this carefully. They had received improper love, unhealthy love, perhaps abuse. And they had discovered that the promiscuous woman had discovered that she could, by using her body, manipulate men and control them. And so she would use her body to manipulate men and control them in a kind of revenge reaction for this unhealthy love she'd received. Be that what is it may. You say, well, why are you, um, why are you so concerned about this? Well, Turn to chapter 24, and let's look at verse 11. Why am, I, why, am I, why am I preaching this? What difference does it make? Look at verse 11, 11 of chapter 24. Deliver those who are being taken away to death, and those who are staggering to slaughter, hold them back. If you say, see, we do not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work? In other words, because as a father and a preacher, I'm going to be accountable for this. I'm going to have to give an account, and so will you, so will you. Well, what does this woman need? What does this girl need? She needs warmth, and she needs love. She needs healthy embracing from her father, and she needs it regularly. All right, let's go to the virtuous woman. I'm glad you're taking notes. I say that facetiously. <clears throat> Chapter 12, verse 4. The virtuous woman. Chapter 12, verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who shames him is as rottenness in his bones. Is that heavy language or what? An excellent wife is the crown of her husband but she who brings shame to him is as rottenness in his bones. Somebody came up to me the other night after I preached this first on this series. He said, Pastor, I wish you'd preach that on Sunday morning. He said, I want to tell you that took a lot of courage in this day of um, uh, the, the liberated woman for you to preach that. I, I really didn't consider it a bold act myself, but um, I, I need to say this, that in the context of Scripture, the excellent, the, the woman of excellence, the goal of the woman is always 
seen in relation to her husband. And what it suggests is this, that the woman can be exceedingly successful in her field of career, but if she fails her husband and brings him shame, she is a failure. Now this word excellent is a word that means strong, capable, efficient. Strong, capable, efficient. And it's seen in the context of her relationship with her husband. Now I want you to turn over to chapter 31. Before I say another word about that, I want you to look at chapter 31, verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels, a woman of character. Now, there are three particular things he says here about a woman. I want you to get these. You don't get the other. First of all, he says that this excellent woman, this virtuous woman, is rare. Now listen carefully. Guys, if you have, if you establish for the goal, as a goal for your life, that you're going to marry a woman that the Scripture refers to as a virtuous woman, just know that they're rare, they're hard to find. They're not, they're not everywhere. The, the woods are not full of them. And so you need to understand that, that you know, you, the pickings are going to be slim of this kind of woman. But I need to also say to the girls here tonight, if you set this as a goal for your life, that you're going to be an, a virtuous woman, because he says that that number is, is a rare number, it may be that there'll be times when you'll have to stand alone on certain convictions. Because the herd, the peer group, will not stand with you with regard to being a virtuous woman. The no, he says they're rare. So if you're going to be like this, you need to establish early in your life an understanding that there's some things that you're going to have to do that will not fit in with the way of the peer group. You understand that? Second thing he says about them, this, is that they are of great value. When you add it all up, when you draw the bottom line, this is the best kind. And the third thing he says about them in verse 29 is that, it's, that this girl, is this kind of woman, virtuous woman, is on the top of God's list. Now what that means is this, that you may not be accepted necessarily by the peers. And you may, be out, you may be out of round as far as the world sees you, but know this, that God sees you as on the top of the list. You please Him. You please Him. And I think that's the fundamental thing we need to understand, that we're going to please God as a virtuous woman, and He's going to consider us the one on the top of the list. Now let's go back to this idea, chapter 12, verse 4, that she's the crown of her husband. Now, instead of that word meaning that which sits upon the top of somebody's head, that word crown there means, in the Hebrew, it means protection or shield. It's a, it's a picture of a, of a protection or a shield. 
And what he's saying is this, that this virtuous woman is the shield for her husband. She is his protector. Now that sounds strange perhaps. Let me see if I can illustrate it. It means that this husband goes home and he finds there this refuge, this sanctuary that his wife preserves for him. And it means that if nobody else loves him in the world, he can count her loving him. It means that if, that if his boss kicks him out and everybody thinks he's a failure, he can go home and know that his wife thinks he's the greatest. I mean, he's, the, he's Mr. Wonderful. And what he's talking about there is this shield of his ego and protector of his emotion so that this virtuous woman is there for that man's support. See that? Well, that took a long time to get to point two, but I'm, I'll hurry. We're going to talk about the indiscreet as opposed to the godly, and I'll cut it in the half. Now look at chapter 11, verse 22. The indiscreet woman. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Now these, this proverb is called a, 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 a comparative proverb. It means that then you, you see there are three kinds. We won't get into that. I've already talked about that before. That, that when you get a proverb like this, they, they, he puts something up here that you're familiar with and compares it with, some, with something else. And so he takes this thing that's repulsive and ugly and he compares a thing of beauty with that. And so he's got this pig snout. Now, I know you, some of you have grown up in a farm and, and uh, you, you, can just, you can get the picture, and you put this beautiful gold ring in a pig snout, something beautiful in a wrong setting. And so what he's talking about here is this beautiful woman who lacks discretion. It's like, it's like a, a gold, it's like a diamond ring in, a, in, a, in, a mouth, in the nose of a hog, you know, an old sow laying around in the mud. You can get, you can just, it's a graphic picture. Something beautiful in a wrong setting. Now, an indiscreet woman is, is a woman lacking in depth. And so she uses her beauty to cover it up. Now, you've uh, uh, seen on television, you know, they like to make fun of this dumb, the dumb blonde. You know, I hate to even say that tonight because there's some of you blonde. And I'm not saying you're dumb. I mean, my kids are were blonde. But they'll, they'll have this dumb blonde up there, and I mean, whoa, is she good looking. Mm, man, she, and, and they make fun of her because she's dumb. You know, I mean, she, she just does the dumbest things. Um, what is her name? Uh, Lori? Uh, I like to act dumb because I don't want you to think I know all these movie stars. But What's this dumb blonde is only Johnny Carson's show? It's all, always in this, uh, um, these uh, uh, Burt Reynolds movies. Huh? Hey, that guy's the guy that knows the dumb. Hey, <laughs> right, little trick there. Pardon? I see, I got it. All right, so here she is, this thing of beauty, and she's so dumb. Now, what does she do? She works on her beauty. That's what she does. And she focuses in on the beauty and, and, and this, this uh, lack of common sense just like a gold ring in a pig snout. Now, what's missing in a daughter 
who is indiscreet. What's missing? Let me show you three things. A daughter that is, has discretion, has common sense. Now get this down. A daughter that has common sense is able to perceive the unobvious. They're able to perceive the unobvious. They're able to interpret the unspoken. And they're able to sense the implication of their action, and they know how to handle it. They're able to see beyond the moment. I need to give you those again, I think. If you've got a girl and you, you want her to have this discretion and, 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 and not be indiscreet, you, you know, you see the tendencies that she has. She is able to perceive the unobvious. Some of these little, little kids that, that, that I sit down here with in, in, in uh, uh, children's sermon, I mean, they're the sharpest kids. And they, they, they're, able, they're able to perceive some, um, a lot of things I don't even perceive. They're able to perceive the unobvious. You need to cultivate that, don't you? They're able to interpret the unspoken, and they're able to sense the implication of their action, and they know how to handle it. That is, they're in control of their lives so that they're able to see, you know, if I do this, this is going to be the result, so I'm not going to do that. Now here's the big question. How does a girl get discretion? Three ways. The first is most important. She gets it from her mother. I guarantee it. I don't know much. But I promise you tonight, I guarantee you tonight, if you've got a girl who has common sense, who is able to interpret the unspoken, and who is able to perceive the unobvious, and is able to see beyond the moment... She got that from her mother. Now, how does she get that from her mother? She got it from her mother who spent time with her carefully every day to teach her. I heard Johnny Lord, Peter Lord's wife, tell about uh, they had this daughter and, and uh, she, had the, she had a pigsty for a room. She said we'd open the door and it look like the, the fungus that ate Fort Lauderdale growing in her room. And we couldn't get her to clean it up. And she said, we tried everything. Peter, Johnny Lord said that I, 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 I just I went before God. Daily I went before God and I asked for God to tell me how to raise my daughter. And he said, she said one day he said to me, bake a cake with her today. Now, I'm sure that if you went home tonight, it won't work. And you said to your daughter, I, I want us to bake a cake. She's going to say, well, that's a pretty dumb thing. I don't want to bake a cake. It won't work unless God tells you to do it. But I, the point is, God told her, he said, I want you to bake a cake with her tomorrow. And she said, I always like to bake a cake by myself. I like to have it baked. I don't want the kids in there messing around. But she said, when my daughter came in from school, said, I met her at the door and I said, honey, I got a best idea today. Let's bake a cake. She said, my daughter griped about it a while. She thought, I, I, you know, I want to watch TV. She said, no, come on. It's going, I just, I, I need your help. And she said, they went in there and they baked this cake. 
that night when she went, went to bed, the Lord spoke to her and said, Take her grocery shopping with you tomorrow. Now she said, I never want to take anybody grocery shopping. She said, I like to do the grocery shopping when the kids are at school. Now I know it won't work. Your daughter's going to have a fit. I don't want to go grocery shopping, that kind of stuff. Don't do it unless God tells you. She said, when I picked her up at school, she said, I got, I got something I need for us to do today. Let's go grocery shopping. The daughter thought it was the dumbest thing she'd ever heard. They went grocery shopping. The long and short of it, she said, I began to see some changes in her. And I began to see that she began to see the implication of her action. You see what I'm saying? And, and she said, I never said a word to her. I don't think it's going to work, this crash course. But she said, all of a sudden, I looked in her room, and it looked like she'd been picking up some stuff. Where does she get it? She gets it from her mother. And, and, and this is done daily. You can't do it on a crash course. Third, the father has an important role. The father has an important role. So this father takes some time to teach this daughter what life is about. I just have time to mention, it's time to quit. The godly woman, I want you to turn to chapter 30. And you know that, that uh, great proverb, chapter 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Godly woman. Now all these things, I just want to, I mentioned a lot of them last week, I want to mention two. Godly woman. Number one, she is a woman of depth who has a reverential respect for God. And second, she has elegant beauty. She is elegant and elegantly beauty. She has an appearance of elegance and charm and beauty. It comes from the inside out. She looks just like some of you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the practicality and strength and help of your word. It's so good, how sweet, how precious, how rich it is to feast upon your word and find the truth for life. Now we pray, Father, for the most important part, that is, its application. Grant, Father, the skill and the wisdom, and the help, enable us 
be good parents and good children. For I ask in Jesus' name. This morning a young man came and gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ publicly. 32-year-old man, first time to kneel on his knees, profess his faith in Christ. Raised in a religious home, went to church all his life. There might be somebody here tonight who needs to do the same thing. Have you ever encountered Jesus Christ in a personal encounter, faith, and trust, by which you have surrendered the control of your life to Him, trusted in Him, Him alone? Wouldn't you like to do that tonight? Would you consider God's will concerning a church home? And You might want to come and place your life here. Or as we talked about this morning, the reestablishing of your relationship, your, de- your devotional life. Whatever reason God would have you come, would you do it? If God laid it on your heart to come, would you be willing to obey? You say, well, how will I know? Well, it's that urging you feel in your heart. So we'll sing one stanza of invitation, and we'll not tarry long. We'll just invite you to come while we stand to sing.